Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. I'd like to invite you to take your Bible this morning and turn to what I know to be a favorite chapter of many, the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. John, of course, is writing with a purpose. He states his purpose in John chapter 20 and verse 31 when he says, These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. In John chapter 10, Jesus introduces himself as the Good Shepherd. Our focus this morning will be on getting to know the one who is the Good Shepherd. John chapter 10, follow along please as I begin our reading in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth, calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He that's an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. Let's ask the Lord to bless as we look at his word. Father, this morning, there are in this room those who need your comfort, those who need your strength. Lord, there are in this room today those who are confused, those who are hurting. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that magnificent work that only you can do and be a good shepherd. Lord, that you would shepherd this flock in ways that the Spirit of God would allow, that through your power we might be encouraged this morning, that we might go out from this room today rejoicing, rejoicing because we follow after the voice of the Good Shepherd, not a man's voice that will disappoint, not the voice of a hireling that will flee, but the voice of the Good Shepherd who has called us from a world of sin with the promise and hope of eternity with Him. And Lord, until that time, give us confidence as in your pastures we feed.
And may the Spirit of God feed us this morning from your word so that we can be strengthened to serve you better, desiring to hear well done. And Lord, may you be glorified as the good shepherd today. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The familiar hymn, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us, was written by Dorothy Ann Thrupp. She wrote the song in 1830 and published it in a hymn book under the title, Hymns for the Young. Her hymn has been placed in over 1,000 hymnals. It's been translated into scores of languages because the message of Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us transcends cultures, it transcends ages, it meets all of us really where we live. She wrote, Savior, like a shepherd lead us, much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us for our use, thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, thine we are. Folks, I think this week has convinced many of us that we're living in a world that is desperately in need of knowing the Good Shepherd. Our world is filled with helpless, hopeless, hurting sheeple. And they're desperately in need of the Good Shepherd. The Old Testament promised that a Good Shepherd would come. In Genesis chapter 49, 4,000 years ago, God spoke to Joseph in promise, saying that there would come one who would be a shepherd of the flock and a stone upon which they could stand. 700 years later, God, through the prophet Isaiah, spoke and said in Isaiah 40 and verse 11 that he would lead his flock like a shepherd. He would gather the lambs in his arms. David was so confident of the goodness of the good shepherd, that he would write, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So we open our Bibles to John chapter 10. Jesus now introduces himself as the good shepherd, the fulfillment of the prophecies and the promises. Best of all, as we look at John chapter 10, we come to realize that Jesus wants to be our shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to lift you up. He wants to encourage those who are downtrodden. He wants to feed those who are hungry. He wants to minister to those who are miserable. He wants to shepherd your soul. He is the good shepherd of our souls. There's a story told of a shepherd who was sitting by the road one day when a big fancy black SUV pulled up next to him. Out from the SUV stepped a fancy looking businessman in a sharp suit. His Ray-Ban glasses were up on his forehead. He was wearing a Rolex watch. He walked over to the humble shepherd and he said to the humble shepherd, hey friend, if I can tell you exactly how many sheep you have out there in your herd, will you give me one of them? The shepherd looked at his huge herd and he said, sure, go ahead, take a try. Well, the fancy businessman quickly went to the back of his SUV. He pulled out his laptop. He opened it up. He connected it to his wireless router. He was able to connect immediately to the internet. He got a hold of the GPS. He found the Nassau site. He plugged in the coordinates. He looked at the scope of everything going on. He allowed the algorithms to do their work. 
And soon he was hitting a button and putting out a 40-page report on exactly how many sheep were out in the field and how many uh, acres were being pastured that day. He handed the report to the shepherd and he said, you have exactly 1,586 sheep in your flock and I'm going to take one of them today. The guy said, well, that's the deal we struck, go ahead. The fancy businessman walked out among the flock, he came back, he put an animal down on the back end of the SUV, the shepherd watched the whole thing and the shepherd said to him, hey listen, can we uh, kind of do turnabout fair play? What if I can tell you what work you're in? If I can guess what, you, what work you're in, will you, will you give me my animal back? The man said, sure. The shepherd quickly said, well, you're a consultant. He said, well, how'd you know? He said, well, it's easy. You came when I didn't invite you. You told me something I already know. And you have nothing to do with the business that I'm doing. You have no knowledge of it at all. Now, can I have my dog back? You know, there are a lot of religious consultants who want to tell us about Jesus. All kinds of opinions about who Jesus is. There are those who love the poetry and the imagery of the Lord being our shepherd. But what a delight it is when the Lord himself tells us what it means for him to be the good shepherd. So we open our Bibles to John chapter 10 this morning. The Lord Jesus himself is telling us what it means for him to be our good shepherd. He's going to speak in this passage of his credentials. He's going to talk to us of his commitment. He's going to remind us of his compassion. He's just given light to a man born blind in John chapter 9. As he gives light to that man who was born blind, he enters into a conversation with the religious leaders They cannot deny that he's accomplished a miracle. They see the inexplicable wonder of this one who was born blind. And yet the Bible tells us in John chapter 9 and verse 24, the religious leaders call Jesus a sinner, having no explanation for the miracle that he's accomplished. They just put him in the pot of sinners and they seek to move on. And yet, in John chapter 9 and verse 39, the man who was born blind, we find him worshiping Jesus. And as he's worshiping Jesus, in John chapter 9 and verse 40, the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, are we blind also? And Jesus gives a profound answer. You'll find it there in John chapter 9 and verse 41. He says, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. You see, Jesus wants the religious leaders, and he wants you and me to know that if we remain in our pride, if we hold on to our traditions, if we think we're self-sufficient, we have no need of a good shepherd. In fact, all of us at some level are tainted by thoughts of religion that we've had. We're tempered by our experiences and our past. Sometimes we even argue against the truth that's found in God's Word because of those past traditions to which we seize. Jesus wants us to know that we are blind until we recognize we're blind. And when we recognize we're blind and see our sin, then and only then do we see the beauty of the Savior. 
And so he speaks to the Pharisees saying, if you're blind, you should have no sin. If you recognized your blindness, there'd be forgiveness that would be provided. But now you're saying we see, therefore your sin remaineth. And what a tremendously precarious position they were in. And so Jesus speaks to them now in chapter 10. He tells them of his credentials as the good shepherd. And to explain his credentials to these religious authorities and others who are listening, he makes three very clear claims that we discover in the first verses of John chapter 10. First, we note that he says, the porter opens to him. Again, read verses 1 to 3. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. Jesus is in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was surrounded by pasture land. It is surrounded by pasture land. In fact, it sits on the high plain, the high Judean plain, 35 miles by 17 miles of mainly rock and brush and simple pasture. It's not good farmland, but it's land that could be adequately used for flocks and for shepherds to lead their sheep. The people in Jerusalem, (laughs) they understood shepherds. They understood sheep. They saw the flocks all around them pretty much on a daily basis. And so Jesus speaks to them of a sheepfold in verse 1. A sheepfold, they would have immediately known, was a walled structure. A sheepfold in the city, a large sheepfold near an urban area, would typically have walls that were 10 feet tall. There'd be just one entrance into that sheepfold, that door, and many flocks would come in common together into the sheepfold, and they'd be watched over by a person who was called a porter. And Jesus is speaking to that imagery here when he talks about the sheepfold. And only the true shepherd would ever be allowed by the porter to come in and stand among the flocks who had gathered together in the sheepfold. We need to ask a couple of questions as we look at this passage. I want you to ask these questions with me first. What does the sheepfold represent? And who is the porter in the story that Jesus is telling here? Now, there are a lot of people who think the sheepfold, that's got to represent heaven, right? Wrong. Why do we know it's not heaven? Well, again, in verse 1, he speaks of the sheepfold and speaks of those who seek to climb up some other way as thieves and robbers. And certainly no thief, no robber is going to be ever able to enter some other way into heaven. But more importantly, look at the end of verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Wrong imagery. Nobody's going to want to be led out of heaven. So the sheepfold here is not heaven. Well, what is the sheepfold? Well, let me submit to you that Jesus is speaking of the sheepfold of Israel. He's speaking of Judaism. He's speaking to religious leaders of the sheepfold that they're comfortable in, the sheepfold that was inaugurated with Abraham and his seed. He's speaking of Israel. And then we ask the question, well, who's the porter that Jesus is speaking about here? Some would say, well, the porter, that must represent the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit is urging us into the sheepfold. Others say, no, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's probably Moses and the law that bring people into the sheepfold. I think it's neither of those. I think the context of the Gospel of John tells us 
that the porter that he's speaking about is none other than John the Baptist. You'll recall how John the Baptist opened the door for Israel, pointing to the Messiah. John, according to John chapter 1 and verse 23, John the Baptist was the voice of one that called in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And in that voice calling in the wilderness, he was a specific fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40, which spoke of a forerunner, a voice calling in the wilderness, pointing to the Messiah. John the Baptist opened the door. He's the porter who gave entrance for Jesus to come into the sheepfold. John the Baptist was not pointing the people to the religionists, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He opened the door to the sheepfold for the Savior to come in. Jesus says, my first credential then is this. I want you to know that the porter opens the door for me. As he speaks of his credentials as the good shepherd, he goes on and he says, not only that, but I call the sheep by name. He calls his own sheep, he says, by name. And he's leading them from slavery into liberty. You know, the casual observer who looks over a flock of sheep can see some measure of distinction, but will never be able to discern one sheep from another. But the shepherd who lives among the sheep, typically in the herds of Palestine or the herds of ancient Israel, the sheep would get names according to their physical characteristics. So you can hear the shepherd as he says, come spot, or come long ear, or come floppy tail. Each one has a name and typically named by some physical characteristics. Jesus is using that imagery to say, I know every individual sheep. How good to remember that 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19 says, the Lord knoweth him that are his. Friend, our good shepherd knows every individual sheep who follows after him. Every little lamb who scurries by his side, he calls them all by name. Buddha doesn't do that. Confucius never promised to know all those who would follow him and call them by name. Muhammad the prophet was considered mighty in his day and even mightier today, but he made no claim of knowing every individual lamb. A friend, our good shepherd knows the very hairs on our heads. He knows you. He knows you personally. And the Word of God tells us He calls us by name. And then the passage says, and His sheep follow Him. His sheep follow Him. While false shepherds would seek to lead the sheep and find themselves frustrated, Jesus says, and when He putteth forth His own sheep, He goeth before them, in verse 4. And the sheep follow him. And they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will follow him. For they know not, or they will flee rather from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. Those who truly know the Lord Jesus Christ come to recognize his voice. The intimacy of his fellowship. The joy of his leadership. They enter into a very personal relationship with the good shepherd. Do you have that kind of relationship? A number of years ago, a man was charged in Australia with stealing a sheep, taking someone else's sheep from their flock. The man said, I'm innocent. In fact, 
that's my sheep. It had been, it had been lost for a long time. When I, when I found it, I just brought it back into my flock. The judge saw the case, and as he saw the case, he said, I want that sheep to be brought into my courtroom. They brought the sheep into the courtroom, and the defendant was there in the courtroom pleading, it's my sheep, it was lost. And as the plaintiff came into the courtroom, the judge said to the plaintiff, I want you to stand out in the hall and call that sheep. The plaintiff stood out in the hall and he called the sheep, and the sheep lifted its head, but it didn't move. Then he said to the shepherd, I want you to go out in the hall and you call the sheep to the one who was the defendant. The defendant went out in the hall and he called the sheep and immediately the sheep lifted up its ears, it wagged its tail and it ran out to the one who was the true shepherd. The judge said something Solomonic. He said, well, it's obvious who the true shepherd is. The true shepherd, his voice is recognized by the sheep. And so it is with the lost soul. There are those who are looking round about for something to satisfy their soul. Maybe materialism, the more I can gain, the more satisfied I'll be. Maybe it's fame. The more well-known I am, perhaps the more satisfied I'll be. Maybe it's pleasure. The more titillating my desires being satisfied, the more I'll find true pleasure. But the Lord says, no, these many voices will never be able to garner your attention and keep it. There is one true shepherd, and that true shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the voice of that good shepherd is the only voice that can give us hope, that can give us healing, that can give us help. Every other voice is empty. Every other voice is frightening. There is no other voice that can compare to the voice of Jesus. And Jesus says, come unto me, all you that are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now notice in verse 6, this parable spake Jesus unto them. It's not a typical parable that's being shared in verses 1 through 5. In fact, in verse 6, the Greek word parabolo is not even used. Typically, a parable begins with, the kingdom of heaven is like. This is not a typical parable. In fact, a different Greek word is used to describe the literary figure, the way that Jesus is speaking. He's using something of a prolonged metaphor as he speaks to those who are round about him. In fact, he's about to mix his metaphors, if you will. For as we come to verse 7, the Lord begins to speak to those who are listening to him about his commitment, his commitment to the sheep. Consider his commitment with, with me this morning. Those who labored as shepherds, after all, were all in. The shepherd lived with the flock. The sheep, after all, were defenseless. They were dependent. They were vulnerable to attacks. The shepherd's work then would be hard. It would be lonely. George Adam Smith traveled in Palestine and watched the shepherds as they watched over their flocks, and he wrote this. On some high moor, across which at night the hyenas howl, when you meet him, sleepless, far-sighted, weather-beaten, leaning on his staff and looking out over his scattered sheep, every one of them on his heart. You understand why the shepherd of Judea sprang to the front of his people's history, why they gave his name to their king and made him the symbol of providence, why Christ took on him the same type of self-sacrifice. You see, the shepherd was known for his constant vigilance, for his fearless courage, for his patient love over his flock. These are the characteristics 
of those who are good shepherds. Jesus says in verse 7, Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He wants us to understand that He protects the sheep. Verse 8, All that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He wants us to recognize that it's his responsibility as shepherd of our souls to protect. And how lovingly and how wonderfully and how dutifully he protects the souls of all who give themselves dependently to him. When a shepherd went out to his work, he carried very few things. He carried a bag called a scrip. He would have some dry bread, some dry fruit. He would have his food in that bag. He would carry a staff that was used like a club to defend himself against other wild animals. He would carry his crook, the famous shepherd's crook, with which he could pull a sheep back from a precarious situation. He would carry a sling. All the shepherds in Christ's time would carry a sling. They'd use the sling because they had no sheepdog. And if the sheep was wandering in the wrong direction, they'd throw a stone in front of the sheep and spook it back into the herd. They became very adept at using the sling. No wonder David could take out Goliath with a sling. They were constantly watching over the flock. And when a predator came, the shepherd was expected to even lay down his life for the flock. But at night, when the shepherds would gather their flocks around, Jesus moves now in the picture from the urban sheepfold out into the wilderness where a cave would do as a sheepfold. And as the flock would come in, the shepherd would take his crook and he'd put it low and the sheep would go under the crook. They'd go down low to go under the crook and the shepherd could examine them to see one by one as they came in, were they all here? Are they all well? And once they had gone into the cave, the shepherd would lay down at the door of the cave. He would become the door. Again, George Adam Smith, in traveling through Judea, interviewed a Palestinian shepherd and asked the shepherd about his care for the sheep. The shepherd said, this is where they go at night. And he pointed to a cave. And he said, and when they're here, they're perfectly safe. Sir George said, yeah, but there's no door. The shepherd immediately responded, I am the door. Not knowing the imagery or the words that Jesus shared, what do you mean by door, asked Sir George. Well, when the light is gone, said the shepherd, the sheep are inside, I lie at the open space. No sheep comes out without climbing over me, and no predator comes in, no wolf comes in except over my body. And so in verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any enter in, he shall be saved. What wonderful confidence to realize, yes, he's the door, but he's the one who watches over the sheep. There are those who live without the confidence of knowing that their soul is secure because they've never meditated on what it means for Jesus to be the door. Jesus lies at the entrance of the sheepfold to protect his sheep from Satan. They've passed under the rod. And oh, we ought to pray, loving shepherd of thy sheep, keep thy lamb in safety keep. Nothing can thy power withstand. 
none can pluck them from thy hand. He speaks of his protection. He speaks of his provision. Again in verse 9, and they shall go in and out and find pasture. And the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Having traveled through the Judean hills on some of our trips to Israel, we've seen the shepherds not only with their flocks of sheep, but with their flocks of goats. I recall our guide saying as we saw one of the conical hills of Judea, you see that hill? Yes, we all said. He said, you'll notice that you can only see one side of the hill. Well, of course, we can't see the other side of the hill. He said, you'll notice that on that hill, there's a tiny little path that goes in circles all the way up the hill. Do you see it there? We all saw it. He said, when the Lord's word says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me in the paths. He said the Hebrew word there means in circular forms up the conical hills. And it's such a great picture. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't know what's on the other side of the hill. But you can guarantee this. The Lord who leads us in green pastures, He knows. He provides. And He pledges Himself for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, verse 11. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. And when we ask, what do you mean, Lord? He expands on it. He says in verse 12, He that's an hireling and not a shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I've known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Of course, he's speaking of a day that would come soon. Six months from the conversation he's having in John chapter 10, his arms would be stretched out on the cross of Calvary. He would fulfill his word. He would give his life for the sheep. And friend, he gave his life on the cross for your salvation. He was buried and rose again. And today, what's he doing? He's yet giving himself for his sheep. For he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's not a hireling who's run away. In fact, he said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. What a good shepherd we serve. There are those in this room who have known the tender care of the good shepherd, who have sensed him through chastening, turning you back to the paths of righteousness, who have known in the great challenge the comfort of his care. D.L. Moody was preaching in Scotland. As he was preaching, he was traveling with Ira Sankey, his song leader. They were on a train. Sankey had picked up a newspaper, and he was reading the paper, and as he read it, he came across a religious poem that really stuck with him, and so he tore out the paper. He actually read it to D.L. Moody, but Moody was so distracted by other correspondence that he was doing, he didn't even hear it. Sankey was kind of discouraged by that, but he put it in his pocket. That evening in Glasgow, Scotland, D.L. Moody was preaching from John chapter 10, and as he preached from John chapter 10, he said to Sankey, Sankey, can you close the service with a song? Sankey pulled that poem out of his pocket, sat down at his old-fashioned pump organ, and began to sing, there were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, 
But one was out in the hills away, far off from the gates of gold, away on the mountains, wild and bare, away from the shepherds, tender care. Lord, thou hast here thy ninety and nine. Are they not enough for thee? But the shepherd made answer, This of mine has wandered away from me. And although the road be rough and steep, I go to to the pasture, to to the shepherd, goes to find the sheep. But none of the ransom ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. But out in the desert he heard its cry, sick and helpless and ready to die. If you know the good shepherd, then consider his credentials and consider his wonderful commitment. There are those in the room this morning who come from a broken home. Commitment is hard for you to understand. In fact, you shudder at promises made. You've seen so many, it seems, that have been broken. Friend, we serve a good shepherd. His commitment to the sheep knows no end. And consider his compassion. Other sheep I have, he says in verse 16, who are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. Jesus promises to lay down his life for the sheep. What does he mean when he speaks in verse 16 of other sheep he has, which are not of this fold? Look carefully at verse 16. Our King James Version leads us a little bit astray in verse 16. Because in verse 16, he does indeed use the word fold when he says, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I also must bring. They shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold. But he changes the word in the original language. He's no longer using the word ole. He's now using a word that speaks of a flock. It's the word poimne. And so we can read it that way. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one flock, and there will be one shepherd. What's he speaking about here? He's speaking about his compassion to reach all the world. All the world. Not just those who are surrounding him there in Jerusalem. The fold, yes, is Israel, but the flock that he's building, it's the world. It's you. It's me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The good shepherd, you see, is a good shepherd for all. For every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and every person. He has compassion for the whole world. And the flock that he's building? My friend, that's the church. And Ephesians chapter 2 says, The Jew and the Gentile are baptized together into one body by the Spirit of God, the church, and they will be one flock. David Livingston so loved the Lord and loved souls that he left his home in England to travel to Africa to bring the gospel. He so loved Africa that he was on his knees actually praying when he died in Africa. They found his body in the morning still by his cot on his knees. He had requested that his heart be buried in Africa, and his heart was buried in Africa. His body was taken back over to England. He was buried in Westminster Abbey. And the plaque over his grave there in Westminster Abbey has this verse on it. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, they shall hear my voice. Livingston understood what we need to understand as well, that the good shepherd is not one who's to be kept to himself. 
He's a good shepherd who has strength for all who will come to him. And he's substituted himself for all. What an amazing statement is made. Therefore, doth my Father love me? The love of the Father toward the Son. Why? Because of his obedience in this. In fulfilling the plan of God. In laying down his life. And then taking it up again. Laying down his life as a substitute for our sin. Christ died. The just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. You see, all we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus' death, friend, was voluntary. No one had power, he says, to take his life from him. And he had the power to take it up again. And even today, the good shepherd stands in heaven, five bleeding wounds he bears received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Two men were invited to recite the 23rd Psalm before a large audience years ago. One of the men, a great orator, stood before the group, and with dramatic flair, he quoted the 23rd Psalm. The other man, much older and not known by many, stood up and simply recited the 23rd Psalm. A great round of applause was given to the great orator. In fact, some yelled, encore, encore. But the older man who stood forward and shared the 23rd Psalm, caused the entire group to go completely quiet. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. As he shared those words, the room went quiet, and the orator stood forward, and he said, I want to tell you folks the difference between this man and me. This man knows the shepherd. Do you know the good shepherd? The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. What confidence we have. The good shepherd in compassion leads his sheep. We hear his voice and we follow him. What promise we have. The good shepherd is the door. What protection we enjoy. And what wonder we discover in this passage. He's building a flock. Are you part of it? Have you come to know the good shepherd? This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast. Thank you.